Praise God. Well, let's just pray as we get going tonight. Lord, we're just grateful, and uh, what a great time just talking to you and blessing you and worship God, and and uh, we just pray that tonight, throughout the night, you will be glorified in everything that happens tonight. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And uh, I just say, and I put you on notice right now that uh, whatever you're doing in people's bodies, it's done. It's over tonight, and uh, you have no right. And uh, we're going to exercise our right and our authority in Christ, and uh, your day is done in these bodies, in Jesus' name. Praise God. Amen. Well, I want to tell you a story from the book of Matthew. This is a true story. You know, in the days of old, God spoke to us by the prophets, and in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. Well, this comes from Matthew chapter 8. Now, when Jesus entered Capernaum, a certain centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, uh, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus' response to the centurion was, well, I'll come and heal him. And the centurion said to Jesus, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. Just speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. He said, for I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes. I say to this one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And Jesus marveled. Wow. And he turned to those who were following him and said, you know what? I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I tell you the truth, he said, many from the east and the west will come and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the sons of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus looked at the centurion and he said, go your way, for as you have believed, it's done for you. And the, the servant was healed at that very hour. Amen. That's the story. Matthew chapter 8. That's real. You know, there's a lot of things that we can learn from that story. I think one very powerful uh, thing that we need to draw from that story is, well, I wasn't going to say this, but I'll say it. What Jesus' response to the man who said, you know, my servant's tormented, you know, do something about it. What was Jesus' response? Did you hear the story? (laughs) What was Jesus' response? I will come and what? And heal him. Was there any hesitation there? No, there wasn't like, well, maybe, maybe, maybe he's just trying to teach your servant a lesson. Maybe God is working this out in his mysterious way, you know, so that he can get glory somehow in some way, you know. So he just needs to stay there for a while. And maybe, you know, you've been treating him bad, so, or, you know, if you would have been believing for your servant, this wouldn't have been happening, so what's your problem? No, it wasn't any, none of those responses. It was simply, I will come and heal him, right? And that's good. I think we need to hear that. But the thing I want to focus on the fact is that we need to see the connection between our faith and an understanding of authority structures. God is the one that instituted authority. Amen? Amen? And this man's understanding of authority caused him to have confidence to give commands. Amen? Amen? He said, I'm a man under authority. What does that mean? It means there's people over him, and he submitted to them. And because he submitted to the people that are over him, he has, now has authority to command those under him. And he says, I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. I say to this one, come, and he comes. I say to this one, or my servant, I say, do this, and he does it. He just understands. There's no, you know, well, should I tell my servant this or not? I mean, I really don't want to offend him. I really don't want to, you know, 
he's been a real good worker. I don't, you know, I don't want to hurt his feelings. You know, he, as a centurion, he's got about 60, 80 guys under him. At his whim, he says, dude, go do this right now. I need this done. And he doesn't say please. He doesn't do anything like that, right? He just barks orders, right? And Jesus looked at this man that, that says this. You know, he says, just speak the word, Lord, because, you know, I know you're a man under authority. Where do you suppose that he got the knowledge or the understanding that God, that Jesus was under authority? Well, because Jesus' fame at this point had gone throughout the region, and they knew of a guy named Jesus who, man, when he touches people, they get healed. Man, when he speaks to demons, they leave. All this type of stuff, right? So his fame had preceded him. So this man knew that th- this guy is operating under some other, some other authority. He knew Jesus was a man under authority. The authority of God. And Jesus said that. We won't look at that. But many times in his ministry. And so saying I'm a man under authority. He understood that this is the structure that God has built. And God has done the same thing in and through us today. In giving us authority. I want you to say this. Especially those of you that need healing tonight. I want you to say this. Authority gives me the right to command. Authority gives me the right to act. Say it again. Authority gives me the right to command. Well, the question is, what does that authority give you the right to do? Well, obviously this man understood that the authority that Jesus was operating under gave him the right to cure sicknesses and diseases. It gave him the right. Jesus had, didn't have any qualms. I will come and heal the man. Why? Because I have authority to do so. I have the right to do it. Do you know tonight I have the right to see you healed? I have the authority to command whatever sickness, whatever prognosis, whatever disease, whatever pain, whatever affliction, whatever infirmity, whatever spirit, whatever things harassing your body. I have the right tonight because of the Lord Jesus Christ to command that to change. And it has to. So I'll come and heal you. Now you might come to the front. I might go to your seat. I don't know. But an understanding, great faith and an understanding of the way authority works Go hand in hand. So I want to talk a little bit about that tonight. Well, authority. It's a mark of great faith. And how many guys know faith is requ- required to receive anything from God? Isn't that right? So I think maybe if I can build your faith just a little bit tonight concerning the way authority and how it works, that maybe you'll come and when we speak to your situation or we speak to your problem in the name of Jesus, you'll be absolutely convinced in your, in your heart. You'll be absolutely what? Convinced in your heart that it has to change and it cannot stay and it will not stay. It has to change. It has no choice. Why? Because it must submit to a higher power. It must submit to a higher authority. Remember Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, we use it for the Great Commission call and all that kind of stuff, but he said... And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You know that word authority, it means power. It also means the right to do something. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. How many of you guys know Jesus didn't put this in the Bible for us just to go, Oh, great, Jesus has got all authority, praise God. Yeah. Amen. Too bad you weren't born in his day, because today, if you're sick, you are stuck. Because, you know, Jesus, he's got all the authority. You don't got Jack. I don't have Jack, so you're dead. Right? Keep the pain. No, Jesus told us about this, saying, all authority has been given to me. Go, therefore, 
to let us know that I'm sharing that authority with you. And you have the right to preach the gospel. You have the right to baptize in the name of the Father. You have the right to carry on the work that he began when he walked the earth. You have the right to do it. And Satan can't get in the way. I mean, he could try to get in the way. He can do all sorts of things, that he, anything he wants to do in your life. But it can't stay. How many of you guys know the devil is a usurper of authority? He'll, he'll at, <laughs> as many times as he possibly can, he'll try to trip you up. He'll try to do things in your life to keep things on you. And I mean, sickness, you name it. He'll try it. But you know what? He can't succeed. 100% of the time, he cannot succeed. If we'll understand things like this. What? That you have the right to use the name of Jesus. You have the right to preach the gospel. What's the gospel? The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. What does that mean? It means it's the power of God unto what you need. Right? So I have the authority to tell you tonight that when we touch you, when we speak to whatever it is, it has to change. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation, unto deliverance, unto protection, unto healing, unto whatever it is that you need. That's what it is. And we need to understand this. In Mark 1 and verse 27, it said they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority, he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. Why was that a shock to their system? Because they might have tried the same thing, but it wasn't working. But Jesus does it and boom, results. Why? Jesus was a man under authority and he understood his authority. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. So with authority, he does it. How many of you guys know that this... These types of scriptures do us no good if all it's telling us is, yeah, Jesus was a man of authority. He walked the earth and he dominated the realm of darkness everywhere he went. Let's go give Jesus a hoorah. Hoorah, Jesus. No, the idea and the point is that you and I would adopt the same mindset and begin to walk the same way. That you were authorized to act in Jesus' name. Amen. You were authorized to lay hands on the sick and see him recovered. You are authorized to speak to situations and see them changed. Amen. Amen. In Mark 13, 34, Jesus is talking about him returning again and him saying, you know, no one knows the day and the hour and that kind of stuff. And he says, it's like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. What did he do to his servants? He gave him authority. You know what? I think in church it's the easiest place to say hard things. Because face-to-face, one-on-one, when someone's struggling with something and they're not getting the victory, it's hard. In other words, to make difficult statements. Statements like this. If you and I do not do something about situations that are coming from the enemy, God can't. God can't. And people have a real hard time with things like that. And they, you're questioning my faith. You're saying God's not sovereign. You're saying this. You're saying, first of all, most people don't even understand the sovereignty of God. They think that God's the grand puppet master up there just woo, orchestrating. Listen, if God was the grand puppet master, he'd make you stop lying. <laughs> if he was the grand puppet master, sovereign, controlling everything, he'd make you tithe. Amen. He'd make you do all the things that you're supposed to be doing that you're not doing. And he'd make you not do the things that y'all are doing that you're not supposed to be doing. If he was the sovereign God and that's what that meant. 
That's not what that means. He isn't just controlling everything in the earth. No, he has authorized his body to carry on the work that he started. And if we don't step in as God's authorized representatives in the earth to see situations change, sickness is removed and disease is taken off people and people, all the different things that Jesus did, it will not happen. People always want to ask the question, well, why do bad things happen to good people? It's the wrong question to ask. How about this? Why do good things happen to bad people? That's a better question. Why is it you are so blessed? Why is it that you're not already dead? Why is it that you're breathing tonight? Why is it that you have a brain that works and you can have a job that makes a lot of... Why? That's not fair. You don't deserve that. Amen? But we always wonder, well, why does bad things happen to good people? I don't know a good person. I know one person. And Jesus said, uh, that's God. Remember, the guy asked him, good teacher. And Jesus said to him, no one's good, but God. You know what God, Jesus was doing there? He was trying to see if he could get the guy to, to call him good. Because in calling him good, he was calling him what? God. The man had a hard time after that, didn't he? But it's the wrong question to ask. And yet people are asking these questions all the time. Tragedy strikes. Babies die. Well, we're responsible for a lot of them. Allen Church is responsible for 54,655,639 or something like that uh, babies being killed since 1973. Allen Church. Amen? Why do bad things happen to good people? Maybe because we're not doing anything about it. Maybe because the church has preached an an, an uber sovereignty of God minds. I think the church has probably helped kill more people than anybody else. In other words, instead of telling the truth, the gospel, what's the gospel? The gospel to a sick person isn't you've got to stay sick and God's teaching you through this. The gospel is Jesus died on the cross. He shed his blood. He paid the price. He took stripes on his back so that you could be healed. He bore our sicknesses and bore our infirmities so that you could be set free. Not so that you have to carry that. Amen. Amen. That's the gospel. And yet we've turned it and we've made it something that really binds people up and says, well, you know, God might be teaching you something. Then why are you taking the pill to get free of that? If God's really teaching you and that really came from God and this really might be the will of God in your life, why are you seeing the doctor to get set free from that pain? You're talking out of both sides of your mouth. How about instead of trying to always make the scripture line up with your experience, make your experience line up with the scripture. Listen, I've prayed for lots of people and not seen them healed. I guess God doesn't heal people today. I've prayed for lots of people and seen them healed. So which one do I go with? Neither. I go with the word. Right? <laughs> Amen. Pastor Ron, what's, you know, what's, what's the, what was at work in any of those given situations to see someone receive and someone... I don't know. I don't know everything that's involved in every situation. I tried to raise my mom from the dead. Didn't work. She died. I've never told anybody that, by the way. At 16 years old, I tried to raise my mom from the dead. She, she didn't come back. She was probably up there going like, Alan, knock it off. I like it up here. <laughs> People, well, that's a different topic, but amen. Does that mean that God doesn't raise the dead? No, doesn't mean that at all. <laughs> and like I said, I prayed for lots of people and nothing happened as far as that I could see, and they didn't receive. And lots of people, I've seen awesome things happen. 
Amen? Amen. So what do you do? You preach the gospel. And when, when the gospel's preached, the purpose, Holy Spirit rides on that. He, he confirms that word in people's hearts, and all of a sudden they open and they believe. That's all I want you to do tonight. Those 15 that raise your hand, all I want you to do, to do is when you stand up here is believe that when we speak to your situation, that there's authority in the house to see the situation change. Amen? In Luke chapter 9 and verse 1 and 2, Jesus is commissioning his disciples to go do some different things. And he says, well, let me read it so I don't muck it up or something. He says in verse 1, Luke 9, 1, Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Amen. Did it, did it qualify the diseases? Did, it, did Jesus give him power and authority over um, diseases and things where, you know, that person just did everything right that week or that month or, you know, they've been... No, there's none of that stuff. These are all things that trip people up and why they can't receive sometimes because they beat themselves up and condemn themselves for things in life. Stop. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. What did he send them to do? Preach and to heal. Preach and to heal. Preach and to heal. Amen. This is one reason why we always like to preach before we heal. Why? Because the preaching of the word will get people in positions to receive. Amen. It's supposed to work on the heart and open up hearts. Preaching will get people into a position to receive the authority granted to the preacher by God. Isn't that right? They were to go preach the kingdom of God. What did that do? That opened the heart and the mind of the hearer, wherever it is that they went, so that they could receive the authority given to them by Jesus over unclean spirits and to cure all diseases. Right? Can I help you with helping other people? Give them the word first before you just automatically always want to jump in and just, let me pray for you. And they're not believing anything. They don't know anything. They don't, you know what I'm saying? Now, if the Holy Spirit leads you just to say one word, man, you let me pray for you, God will touch you right now. That's, that can be all tell you. I've done that before. And they were instantly healed. But you know what? So many times they just want to use God as a, as a you know, basically magic wand type thing. It's like, they're not believing anything. They're not, you know, it's just, just wave your magic wand over me and I'll just continue to go on the way. You know, I've seen people healed by the power of God and reject, not reject Jesus, but not receive him. And sometimes we have the mindset or the understanding that, well, if God, you know, if a great work takes place in someone's life, they're automatically received. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. In Acts chapter 26 and verse 18, I like this. And this is one thing that helps with understanding where sickness and disease and problems and things like that come from and that we need to resist them. In verse 18, Acts 26, 18, it says, this is the Apostle Paul telling what happened to him when he was uh, converted on the road to Damascus, what Jesus said to him. Um, he expounds on it and he says, and to open, well, let me read the verse before. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well from the Gentiles. This is Jesus talking to the Apostle Paul. To whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance amongst those who take the Bible. So, one thing that the Apostle Paul was called to go do was to turn people from the power or the authority of Satan 
to the power and authority of God. Right? How many of you guys know that happened to you when you received Jesus? You were transferred from one kingdom into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Right? There was a transfer that took place. And you went from being under the authority or the power of the wicked one. That might explain why a lot of bad things happen to good people. To the power and authority of God. I know some people are bucking against that whole statement. Let me say this. Quantify good for me. You see, we always want to just look at everything on outward appearances and say, well, that's a good person. Or people want to do that themselves. In fact, the Proverbs says that, you know, uh, uh, every, each, each one likes to proclaim his own goodness, right? Most people, if you ask them, are you a good person? They'll say, yeah, oh, yeah I'm a good person. You know, I've never stolen anything. I've never killed anyone. And I've never committed adultery. So I'm a good person. <laughs> I don't think Jesus quantifies it like that. In fact, I can find Bible verses that say that no one does good. There's no one good. But, but we, in our human thinking, we want to say, well, that's a good person and this is not a good person, right? Well, let's stop thinking in those terms. Let's all just admit the fact that, hey, we've all blown it. We've all messed up. None of us deserve any of the goodness and grace of God that we've received up to this point in life. And let's just accept and receive by faith what Jesus provided for us on the cross and through his life, his death, burial, and resurrection. How about let's just do that? Let's just stay in that position rather than justifying ourselves and trying to say, well, this person deserves it because they're good. Well, maybe in your own thinking or terms you might be, but whose terms and standard are you using? Isn't that right? I mean, people want to do that. When you preach the gospel on the streets, they want to declare their goodness all the time. What do you do? You need to take them to the Ten Commandments and show them you ain't good. Let's just go through the list. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and soul. Do you even know him? Well, it looks like you missed the first one. Right? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. When was the last time you remembered the Sabbath day? I haven't seen you in church. You know what I'm saying? So you could just start going down the list and find out real quick that day he's a sinner. And that's the purpose behind the law, to show people that they're sinners, right? Now, you don't need to say that to somebody that already knows they're a dirty dog and they need Jesus. You give them grace. But someone that's going to proclaim their own goodness, and listen, listen, this is why this is easy to do in a church service, because face-to-face, I want to let you know, you're a dirty dog. (laughs) And the reason you're sick and diseased and filled with all this stuff, because you're a sinner. You deserve this. You deserve it. That's what you deserve, right? How many of you guys know that's the whole purpose and point behind mercy and grace and all these types of things is in mercy, we don't get what we do deserve and in grace, we get what we don't deserve. Isn't that right? That's so much easier in a scenario or in a situation like this than it is to someone that's dying of cancer who's trying to earn their healing from God by saying, well, what did I ever do to deserve this? You know what I'm saying? Why is this happening to me? Do you want it to happen to somebody else? How about we don't want it to happen to anybody? How about let's start exercising our right as the church, authorized by God to to work and operate in His stead here in the earth and change situations. That's the way it's supposed to be. Amen. Amen. But so often we're so... 
pulled back by our own thinking about ourselves. In fact, the Scripture says the only thing that limits you is your affections. What? You're b- believing, your understanding about things, the way you see and receive, and that's the only thing that limits you. God's not limiting you. How many of you guys know God's not going to get scared if you start seeing millions of people saved and, and people raised from the dead? God's not like, man, he's, we better just cut that out because he might get too much glory or something. God doesn't, man, he wants to help people. Pastor Mark's preaching a great message right now called Convinced. Remember he said something this last Sunday that said, until you are convinced in your heart of a particular spiritual blessing or truth that God's already provided for us, it will not work in your life. I want to convince you in the short time I have, this little window, that we have the right to see your situation change. We've been authorized to see you healed. We've been authorized to see that prognosis reversed. Amen. You don't have to go out of here sick. Amen? It's so true. And I think half the battle in healing so many times, guys, is this very thing right here. is convincing people of what Jesus already did for them. Convincing people that you have a right to receive what Jesus provided for you. Nothing hindering. Well, I didn't pray very much this week. Doesn't matter. I didn't read my Bible at all in the last three months. I don't care. I'm in disobedience to God right now. Well, you might want to change it right now. That might be a hindrance. You see what I'm saying? There's so many things that just little adjustments on the inside can immediately change. Isn't that right? Well, I've got to drag myself over hot coals for a period of time and, you know, just do all this stuff and, and, and then I'll feel good enough to approach God again. You better stop that right now. Because he isn't pleased with it and he doesn't care about you dragging yourself over hot coals and over broken glass and all that kind of stuff to be accepted by him. You're accepted in Christ and in Christ alone. Period. Amen. Amen. We need to stop trying to earn stuff, gang. We don't deserve it, but we get it anyway. Look at Luke chapter 10 real quick. Healing is the children's... Is there any children in the house? All of you that raise your hand, are you a child of God? It's yours. Luke chapter 10 and verse 17, Then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. But that was fun to watch. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. Okay, just based on context, what do we know that that does not mean? It does not mean we're going to go find serpents and scorpions and just start... What are the serpents and scorpions referring to? Enemy, the enemy of God, Satan and his cohorts and all that stuff, right? Trample upon certain Now, if you accidentally trample upon serpents and scorpions, you can trust God for protection. But, and over all the power of the enemy, all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. He'd given them this authority They go out and operate in it. They see the results of it. They're rejoicing in it. And Jesus reaffirms to them again, I give you power and authority over all this. There isn't a single ounce of the power of the enemy that could work against you in your life and hurt you. Amen. You know these things are written so that we would believe it and receive it. Amen. They're written so that we would believe it and receive it. How many of you guys know these types of verses require that we understand what is from the enemy? 
and what is from God instead of what we've done so often in the body of Christ and we've kind of mixed the two and said, well, maybe this cancer is a blessing in disguise, a blessing from God in disguise. You cannot exercise authority over all the power of the enemy if you think it came from God because you ain't overcoming God. Amen? If God brought that to you and that came from God and you believe in your heart of hearts that this was somehow from God's hand in your life, then you cannot exercise authority over it. But if you can differentiate what came from God and what comes from the devil, then it's easy to resist what comes from the devil. It's easy to exercise your authority. Behold, I give you authority to trample upon. It's easy to step on that disease, to curse that disease, to stand against that disease if you know this. But if at any part in your heart you're like, well, I just don't know if this came from God or not. You're going to have a real hard time receiving from God. Amen. Amen. But if we can look to the Word of God and say, hey, disease. In fact, Deuteronomy outlines a whole bunch of them. And then he says that the end of all the curses and stuff and anything that's not written in here, I'm going to put that on you too. Just to cover the gamut. Because, you know, maybe we didn't have a name for tuberculosis back then. But we do now. So whatever the name is, it doesn't matter. You have the power to trample it. You have the power to destroy it. Amen? Amen. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth went about doing good and healing all who oppressed the devil. Right? Jesus is manifested for this purpose. What purpose? To destroy the works of the devil. You've got to know what the works of the devil are in order to know what to destroy. Amen? When people are lame, blind, sick, diseased, filled with pain, filled with... doesn't matter what it is. That's a work of the devil. Now, whether he himself came along and, you know, poured it on them is irrelevant. We live in a fallen earth and in a fallen uh, place, and these types of things try to come on people, and we need to resist. We need to exercise our authority in Christ. Romans chapter 13, you guys know this. This is kind of a, a uh, oh, what do they call it? Well, my father-in-law calls it the policeman's chapter, but, and if you don't know what Romans 13 is, you'll know why in a second. Romans 13, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. And you guys know that doesn't mean that a wicked person that's in power is necessarily put there by God. That's not what that verse is saying, right? It's simply illustrating to us that authorities do exist by God's design. How many of you guys know wicked people could vote in a wicked person and God didn't put that person in there, right? Or a wicked person could... Uh, do a military coup or whatever and kill everyone else off that's an opponent, God didn't put that person there. They did that, right? So that's not what that's saying. It's simply saying authorities are instituted by God. Verse 2 says, Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. And in some places they are, but this is how it's supposed to work in God's authority structure. Do you want to... Uh, do you want to be unafraid of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. Isn't that right? How many of you guys all know if you're driving down the street, obeying all the traffic laws, you don't look at the uh, police car driving by and have a beat, or you know, have your heart go, <gasps> why? Because there's nothing to be afraid of. You've been following the laws, right? If you're not out shoplifting, well, what do you got to be afraid of going to jail for? Or, you know, listen, they, they wield the sword for a purpose. Why? To execute judgment or vengeance on those who are committing iniquity. 
I called my father-in-law last night, who was a, a, a uh, former police detective here in Boise, and uh, I was asking him this question, where does the authority come from for a police officer to make arrests, you know, and handcuff people, and throw them in the back of their car, and take them to jail, and all this kind of stuff? Where does that authority come from? As I said, does that come from the city of Boise, or what? And he's like, well, no, it comes from the state of Idaho. And, and you mean the state of Idaho? You mean that thing, you know, we draw it out, and it looks like the state? Is that where... No, it comes from the laws that are on the books that we govern our lives by, govern our society by, right? So those laws ultimately are what give the police officer, and really in the state of Idaho, you can do a citizen's arrest. Wish I had known this before. <laughs> but, but those laws are the authority by which we operate under, right? And people, you know, listen, I can't stand Satan like this. Oh, I just, I'm against laws. Anarchy, Yeah. You know what? The first people that would be dead in anarchy, the people who want anarchy. <laughs> Laws are important for governing societies. <laughs> All right, that's a side note. So the, the authority to operate as a police officer in any given county or whatever is given by what's written on the books. And who wrote those? Well, people were appointed by people in order to go to the state houses and vote these laws into existence, right? So ultimately, the authority or the power to, for the police officer to do what he does came from you and me, right? Because we voted the people in to do, and again, not us, because that was generations ago that that happened. But you understand the point, right? But ultimately, it's the law that authorizes a particular person, right? And there is no higher law than the law of God. And his law I'm talking about the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has freed us from the law of the spirit of death, right? It's freed us from the power of the enemy. It's freed us from uh, all the authority of the enemy. That law supersedes any uh, law that the enemy would like us to operate under. We need to understand this. We need to know this. We are authorized by the word of God. And again, anything that comes outside of the mouth of God is law. We understand that? That's why there's the law of the spirit of life in Christ. You know, people want to say, I'm not under the law and all this kind of stuff. Well, really you are. You're under the law of the spirit of life in Christ. Whatever Jesus said, right, whatever we see in the New Testament as far as a, what a New Testament believer has been given or blessed with, you're under that. If you, and, you, and if you submit yourself to that, you can operate in the power that's inherent within it, right? Remember, the scripture says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. How do you submit yourself to God? Well, I don't even see him. God? Where are you? I know you're around here somewhere. How can I submit to you? Well, it's real simple. You submit to what he said. Right? And if he said, by, and if the scripture said, by his stripes you were healed, then I choose to submit to that rather than, John, I hate to give you some bad news. You got cancer. And you got six months to live. How many of you guys know there's two laws in operation there? There's a law of a person who is only, and again, I'm not, we're not beating up the doctor. He's just doing his job, right? He's helping you know what to believe against. Yeah. Right? So nothing, praise God for the doctor. Amen. But what he says is not final authority. There is a higher law, and you're authorized to operate in that law. Amen. Amen. So you have the right to become well. You have the right to be made well. How many of you guys know the wicked always try to usurp authority? Isn't that right? 
the wicked always try to usurp authority. They try to buck against it. And I don't know anybody more wicked than the devil. He's always going to try to do these things, types of things in people's lives. And many people, in fact, the whole world lies under the sway or the power of the wicked one, and he's eating their lunch. Seven ways to Sunday, and they don't even know what to do about it. They're doing everything that they can, that they know of in their power, naturally, uh, witch doctors, you name it, to try to overcome the attacks of the enemy. And here we sit blessed with the answer, with the authority to do something about it. Amen? Amen? You're, you're blessed to be able to come to a, a, a place, to a church that actually believes and teaches these things so that you can receive it. Amen. You know, a lot of places, oh, brother, well, just put your house in order and die. You know, you'll have a glorious entrance into heaven. Well, that's true, but there's no sense in going early. There's no sense in going until you fulfill the will of God. And even if, it, even if there is a sense in you going now, right, uh, let's go out well. Let's go out healthy. Let's go out whole. Amen? I'm sure glad that the police officers, when wickedness is taking place in our city and different places, they don't go, would you please, if you don't mind, not commit this crime? And they they don't go, well, state of Idaho, why don't you do something about this? Laws on the books. I know you exist. I know you're there. I know he's committing a crime. And I know this isn't right. Do something about it. Isn't that right? I've never seen... Well, he's a really pansy police officer if he did that. But I've never seen a police officer... In fact, police officers sometimes, they, you know, they kind of... Why? Why do they do that? It's right here. That's why. And right here, that's why. Because they're the man. Right? And if you are doing something against the laws on the books, they don't even give it a second thought. It's not like, should I or shouldn't I not stop this wickedness that's taking place right now? No, it's an immediate stop. You're under arrest. Put your hands up. Get down on the ground. And they get over there and, man, they just work them up a little. Right? That's always good to see, isn't it? Nothing like a good beatdown, huh? As long as you're not the one getting it. But isn't that how they operate? Why? They have an understanding. They know they have the right to do what it is that they're supposed to be doing. They don't question it. Why do we? We're always questioning whether or not we have a right to speak to a situation and see it change. Or whether or not we have a right to be healed of a particular thing. You have every right. Every stripe that was laid on Jesus' back gave you the right to be free tonight. Amen. You don't have to be oppressed in your mind, tormented in your mind. People need to know this stuff, guys. When I was over in Azerbaijan, the family that I was staying with, uh, the gal, she was just oppressed. She's a believer, but she's oppressed. She doesn't know. She's read the Bible, but just doesn't get a lot of things. And uh, Jesus is trying to help her. Jesus showed her in a vision. She was standing on one side of this little river. He was standing on the other side. Not a big river, just a little. They could talk to each other. And there was this little demon sitting right here. And 
um, she had talked to me about being, you know, just harassed in her mind, like, you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, you can't do anything for God, you're nothing, you're a waste of life, you're a waste of flesh, you're wasting time by being here, shouldn't you be doing something else with your life? I mean, you just name it, and he's saying all this kind of stuff, right? These are all things that the devil tries to speak into people's hearts and minds, and they believe them, hook, 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 line, and sinker, right? And they just walk, and they don't do anything for God, because they're so trapped in their mind by false things. Amen? And so this little demon's right here, she's, this is after I'd already ministered to her and all this kind of stuff, the word of God, can say, damn, that is not true. You know, and I began to teach her about, you know, thinking on good things and all this stuff, and where it says in the word of God that there are good things said about you. Amen. You're not some dirty old dog and you deserve all, so anyway, that's beside the point. So she's sharing this, here's Jesus, here she is, here's this little devil. And she says to Jesus, Jesus, would you do something about this? This is, this is really bothering me, Right? And Jesus said, I've already done everything I'm going to do. You do it. Right? And the vision ended. And she didn't get it. She didn't understand what, the, what it meant and all that kind of stuff until I got there and was being able to share with her her right to command these things to stop. Amen? See, this is, this is a mindset we've got to wipe out of our thinking, and that is that because God is God, he's just going to randomly do anything and everything in life to stop bad things from happening in people's lives. He's not. He is not going to intervene in a situation unless you intervene. Why? Because you've been authorized to operate in his stead in the earth. So if something's coming against your body tonight, just by you agreeing getting yourself into a position to receive, we can get that kicked out of you. Amen. And if you, I don't want hands, you don't have to. Speak to it yourself. You're authorized to command that thing to leave your body and it does not have to stay. Think about all those that are not operating under the, the authority of God, God. What kind of consequences do they suffer? All sorts of consequences. Just like the person who decides not to operate under the authority of the police officers and those who, who are governing authorities, naturally speaking. What kind of consequences will you suffer for not operating under the laws of the land? Well, it could be something as simple as a, you know, a little infraction, maybe a little money, and if it's a serious enough crime, you could go to jail for the rest of your life. And in some states, you could be put to death for it. Right? How many of you guys know there's some serious consequences for not operating under the authority of the laws of the land? There's also some very serious consequences for not operating under the authority that God's placed you in in the earth. You will have your lunch eaten every day, all the days of your life, because the devil, he doesn't care whose kid you are. He wants to knock you out. He wants to wreak havoc in your life. In fact, probably more so because you're a child of God. He hates you that much more. I think he hates all people equally, but when it comes to the children of God, he's like, oh, they're a spitting image of the guy that kicked my tail 2,000 years ago. And if I could do something to somebody that's related to him in any way, I'm going for it. Isn't that right? I'll tell you what, when he sees you, because he sees into the realm of spirit. He doesn't care what you look like on the outside. He sees in the realm of spirit. And he looks on the inside of you and he sees Jesus and it ticks him off. Amen? So what's he going to do? He's going to try to trip you up in every single way that he possibly can by saying, you got cancer. No, you don't. No, you don't. Well, yeah, the doctor said I do. No, you don't. Don't take that nonsense. Stand up against that. Your kid's going to die. No, he isn't. Baloney. He's not going to die. That's a lie. I don't believe that. And I'll not let it happen. Right? Right? The police officer, stop. Put your hands up. Devil, stop. You have no right. Get out of my body. 
It's not, well, bad devil, if you please don't mind, I'll make a deal with you. You don't bother me, I won't bother you. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. I'll tell you what, the kingdom of God is advancing and we take it by force. Right? We are advancing. And the devil isn't just going to give ground. He's going to fight for every piece of it. But we're just taking it. Get out of the way, devil. How many of you guys know there is a strong man, but there's also one that's stronger? He lives on the inside of you, and you can find that stupid little jerk up and kick him out of the house. Amen? That's the way it's supposed to be. Amen. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 5 through 7, remember Jesus, or Satan takes up Jesus up onto the uh, mountain and shows him all the glories of the earth and all this kind of stuff. And he says, all this authority I will give to you if you will bow down and worship me. How many of you guys know that was a real temptation for Jesus, right? I mean, he knew all authority was going to be, be given to his, but Satan was trying to get him to get it in a way that God had not ordained for him to get it, right? By submitting himself to the enemy. How many of you guys know that would have been the biggest holy moly of all time if that had happened? God submitting to the devil. Oh, my gosh. Thank God he resisted that temptation. Why? Because he went to hell when he died on that cross and he whooped the devil and rightfully took all authority. Amen. Amen. And now it, it is his in heaven and on earth, and he is transferred and given it to you and me. Amen. We have been given the right, gang, to act on Jesus' behalf. If we don't, he can't. And if we can't get people to open up or receive, then he can't because he will not usurp your right to receive or not. If we cannot get people to open up their heart, and it's not hard, you just, okay, God, I'm ready. Then he can't help you because he will not force his healing on you. He won't. He's a perfect gentleman. Isn't that right? God is never a forcer in any way, shape, or form, even if it's good things in your life. Right? He won't force you. But if you'll come up here tonight as a person who needs healing and you'll just open up your heart, I'll tell you what, the power of God will rush in and it will change whatever the situation is. I'm authorized to do that tonight. Amen. And you're authorized to receive it. Amen. You're authorized to receive healing power tonight. Amen.